But education experts, apparently, are warning that probing a preschool-age child's gender identity could have the opposite effect, and I tend to agree with them. They say it could trigger distress in young kids because it could make them confused as they have a very limited understanding of gender. Well, of course they do. They're three years of age. Why do we have these do-gooders wanting to interfere uh, in our children's lives? Let kids be kids. One Nation's Mark Latham, I'm sure, will agree. Good morning to you, mate. Oh, good morning, Mark. It's good to be with you. Yeah, nice to chat. Uh, you've been quoted in this article this morning, the so-called Woke Guide Child Abuse. Kids as young as three asked to provide their preferred pronoun. Really? They wouldn't even know what a pronoun is. Well, Marcus, we have 13-year-olds in the New South Wales school system who don't know what a pronoun is. So three-year-olds have got no hope, and it's confusing and bewildering for a three-year-old to be asked to identify their gender. Um, they have a rudimentary sense of um, the obvious physical characteristics they have in that department, yep. but no real comprehension that, um, as a lefty say later in life for adults, you can <laughs> move from being a male to a female and vice versa. So this is um, the equivalent of child abuse, and it comes from the Office of the Children's Guardian in New South Wales, which is an agency funded many millions of dollars. It was set up as a consequence of the Federal Royal Commission into Child Abuse. And that commission report had nothing to do with asking three-year-olds uh, to identify their gender and their preferred pronoun. This is a classic case of mission creep, of gender activists pushing this into childcare centres and preschools. And, you know, I think we need to ask in New South Wales under the Berejiklian government, how was it that the agency set up for child protection mm. ended up engaging in these practices? Well, look, at, uh, at first glance, it, it simply seems absolutely ridiculous. Look, we all want to protect our children. Of course we do. We all want to ensure that our kids feel safe, whether it's a school environment, in a sporting environment, just in, in community in general. Uh, but this, I think, is well and truly overstepping the mark here. There, there is, and I agree with what some of the other experts are saying. I mean, if you listen to Dr. Bella Debrera, who I've had on the program before, she said questioning a boy or girl's preferred gender pronoun is simply inappropriate at such a young age. Asking kids this question is ridiculous. Three-year-olds have no idea what a pronoun is, let alone which one they would prefer adults to use, for goodness sake. Well, the problem is, Marcus, this Office of the Children's Guardian, so-called, has got form because I was alerted to them when parents, very distressed parents, rang me at the beginning of this year saying at the Warrywood West Child Care Centre their three-year-old was being read gender fluidity books. And when my office contacted the centre, they said, oh, this is under the um, guide and authorisation of the Office of the Children's Guardian. I asked the... Um, Minister Gareth, then Minister Gareth Ward to intervene. He said how proud he was of the Office of the Children's Guardian and the office itself said they wouldn't intervene at all. So this has been going on for a long while. I've been ringing the warning bell to countless politicians inside the woke Berejiklian government and quite frankly, they don't seem to care. They, they think this is sort of standard business. Now, the reality is whatever adults think about their gender and if they want to change their gender, that is their business. But those yep. adults should not be pushing it upon kids as young as three. All right. Well, uh, I think we're in total agreement here. Uh, the Berejiklian government is uh, announcing that 
possibly October 17, 18, Mark, will be so-called Freedom Day where we can, you know, uh, we can feel very privileged to get back to the kind of life we had pre lockdowns. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I'm sick to death of hearing the constant numbers day in, day out. I'm more concerned. Uh, you know, I want to hear how many people are in hospital. That is of greater concern rather than the scare numbers that are announced every single morning. We need to keep an eye on people in intensive care units, obviously. Uh, we know the government's done a deal with the private sector to ensure that there will be, hopefully, enough uh, resources available. But it is concerning, Mark, at the moment. Where are we in your mind? Well, I'm worried about the broken promises of the state government because we were told initially that when there was 50% first dose vaccination, there'd be a lot more freedoms. That never happened. Then we were told the magic number of 6 million jabs. That's right. There'd be a lot more freedoms. We've already passed and that. I, we're into 7 well, of million. Course, of course. I, I'm, I'm just wondering if they keep on dangling the carrot for people, but they never let you get actually to chomp on the carrot. Isn't that the pattern we've got? Yeah. And uh, you read the Doherty report, it basically says 70% open up uh, full stop, you know, obviously with the health system protections and contact tracing and the like, but in terms of people's access to pubs and hotels and cafes, just open up. Uh, instead, we're going to go down the path of vaccine passports, and I'm very worried about the invasion of privacy because under the federal legislation, vaccine, vaccination status is a highly sensitive piece of personal health data, as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, we had John Barillaro quoted in The Telegraph yesterday saying they're planning to get employers to collect the vaccination data from their staff, yeah. store it, and then pass it on to Service New South Wales. Service New South Wales is full of hacks and leaks of personal information, a massive one just earlier this year. Yeah, of course. And the Privacy Act says you're not allowed to collect and store the personal health vaccination information of people. So, you know, we've got to protect privacy. We can't be breaking the law in doing this. And I don't think we should be creating a two-tier society. There's been enough division and problems as it is. Yeah, I fear that uh, all of this may one day be tested uh, in a court, uh, probably the highest court in the land. I'm not quite sure which one, Mark, but there is little doubt that there will be, as you say, a, a two-tiered society. Uh, the vaxxed, the unvaxxed. Look, I'm pro-vaccination, but I'm also pro-choice. Um, but look, I just want everybody to be safe. But I also respect that we need to have our uh, our personal freedoms and our liberties protected as well. Uh, look, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not a, a health expert, uh, and I I don't like hearing uh, you know people dying or, or little three-month-old babies contracting COVID and all the rest of it. But you know, uh, somewhere um, somewhere in the middle is the right answer once you take the politics out of it and you get to the health advice. And I don't know, the two have become so muddled recently, Mark, it's hard to know where it all stands. Well, we don't get publication of the health advice. Well, that's advice. it. Yeah, exactly. And is the government fared income in opening up at 10 o'clock this morning as a member of the upper house? We're having a meeting with Kerry Chant where it's likely we'll be told we can't sit as a democratic parliament next week, well, that's even ridiculous. though in my case and other MPs we're double dose uh, vaccinated yep. and perfectly safe. And we're the type of people, the government says, oh, you go out and do the right thing. You go out and, and get your two doses of the vaccine and mm. then you'll have your uh, freedoms. I fear we're not even going to have the freedom to sit as a parliament. Now, if the democratic institution right at the top of society 
is not being allowed to open up and sit and, and, and canvas all the complaints, hundreds of complaints flooding into my office and others, of course. what hope is there for uh, the regular folk who've been given these promises, the mm. carrot dangled all the time, uh, but the promises never kept? Yeah, well, Mark, uh, I spoke to Chris Minns not long ago, and he's also flabbergasted, quite can't, can't quite understand uh, why Parliament is, isn't sitting. It should be. Federal Parliament's been sp- sitting for the last couple of weeks, as we know. Uh, there's no reason why New South Wales can't do the same thing, for goodness sake. Well, absolutely. Um, yep. There are so many complaints. People have got so many concerns, so many criticisms of the government. The one thing about this lockdown is it's set constant records, daily uh, record numbers of COVID, uh, over a million people in New South Wales on Centrelink disaster payments, the very distressing news that each day 40 of our young people are rushed to hospital, yes. uh, self-harm, attempted suicide, Yep. a record social isolation, record problems in the schooling system because of 10 weeks of homeschooling in Sydney and counting. I mean, these are massive problems that need to be canvassed in the parliament. Yep. And if you've got parliamentarians who've done what the government recommended to get their vaccination, why couldn't they open up and sit as a democratic forum? It's a really bad sign for the dictatorship we've become. Fair enough. All right. Well, by the way, 13 11 14 is Lifeline's number. We made a reference there to mental health, so please don't forget Lifeline. Do a great job. They're always there for everybody, Mark, and I thank you for your time as always. Stay safe. All the best. Thanks, Marcus. We'll talk next week. Thank you, mate. All right. In just a moment, I'm going to catch up with the Shadow Health.